Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of About to Review. I'm your host, that guy named John, and we, I say we, are reporting live from Geek Girl Con 2016 because I'm joined for the second week in a row because you could not get enough of him the last time with Timmy, Timmy Turner. Yeah, you're supposed <laughs> to say I'm back by popular demand, even if it's a lie. <laughs> right. But yeah, we're back. We're here at Geek Girl Con in Seattle, Washington, right now overlooking the exhibit halls. Yeah. Artwork. Uh, tons of weird stuff I will never buy. Um, corsets. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just saw a bunch of knives. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Some iron masks. Uh, uh. Yeah, some helmets. It's a lot. <laughs> right. But beautiful. Like, And the one thing we talked about is how kid-friendly it is. Like, yep. Straight ahead, there are a bunch of kids sitting down playing video games. Yeah. Right down that hallway. Not only video games, a Commodore 64. <laughs> yes. Which, instinctually, they just kind of went up and they're like, okay, boop, boop. Yeah. Just in it. Kids just know. Yeah. So, yeah, we're in the exhibit hall. There are 175 um, exhibitors. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so what I'm going to do is just kind of walk around. We're going to look at stuff. Uh, there are going to be some interviews on this episode as well. So stay tuned for that. So Tim and I reporting from Geek Girl Con 2016, and we will see you soon. I am now sitting down with Christine Haswell. <laughs> Ha- oh, hassle. Sheesh. It's okay. We I can even- edit that. <laughs> oh, no. I don't edit anything. That would be ridiculous. So she is the deputy director of Geek Girl Con. So welcome, Christine. Thank you. Uh, so tell uh, tell the listeners, because people listen to this all over the place, mm-hmm. not just Seattle. What is Geek Girl Con? When did it start? And what makes it so important? So like the beginnings of Geek Girl Con started in 2010, after a panel called Geek Girls Exists that happened at San Diego Comic-Con. Okay. And it was put up against, like, programming-wise, the same time slot as Scott Pilgrim. Oh, okay. Right? Yep. So the, the, big, the big zeitgeist behind mm-hmm. it was an awesome movie. Anyway, um, so the room was overflowing. Like, Fire Marshal was like, no more people. Sheesh. So it was all these panelists talking about kind of what it was like to be a woman and being a geek and what that meant. Mm-hmm. And afterwards... When the panel let out, you had women talking and going, oh, like you're in San Francisco, I'm in Seattle. Like, let's continue to have this conversation. So it uh, gathered momentum, mm-hmm. and these women got together, and through social media and the power of the internet, yes, <laughs> um, decided let's throw a convention. Like, let's do it. So our first convention was in 2011, mm-hmm. and it was held at... Um, the Northwest Rooms at Seattle Center. Okay. And the EMP. So wow. our, our attendees kind of had to walk back and forth. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to see, like, little girls dressed as Vader with lightsabers <laughs> walking back and forth. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. look at the little cute geeks. I wonder where they are going. Where they are going. That's awesome. Um, and then the very next year is when we moved here to the convention center, or mm-hmm. the conference center right. at Washington State Convention Center. And that's where we've been ever since. Gotcha. So this is our sixth year. Our biggest year ever. Yeah, I was going to ask. So... <laughs> The where, where we are uh, having this interview, we're looking out where we can kind of see a lot of the convention. Mm-hmm. How many? Do you guys have an estimate of how many people have been here this weekend? I believe our rough estimate, and this is just uh, from our registration manager, mm-hmm. who's Rose. She's awesome. She always runs the tables downstairs with precision. Right. I think <laughs> precision and focus. Exactly. Yeah. Um, she's also one of our founders. Um, I believe it is in the neighborhood of ten thousand over Sheesh. the two days. Which is, 
for any convention yeah. in their sixth year to mm-hmm. reach 10,000 yeah. is incredible. I mean, it sounds, yeah, it sounds incredible. It looks incredible. Thank you. What would you say has been the key to growing it this quickly in such a short amount of time? So a lot, I would say maybe 75, 80%, if not more of our panel content Mm -hmm. comes from our community. So we put out the call early in the year through social media, through Mm -hmm. our blog that basically says, what panels do you want to see? What do you Mm -hmm. want to talk about? And we always make it clear that if you submit a panel, but maybe you don't want to be on it because you're super introverted or you just want someone to discuss, like I want someone to talk about the, the women in Luke Cage. I want to hear that. Mm-hmm. So there's like spaces on the on the application form that says, "Do you want to talk on it? Do you have someone to suggest? Hmm. Tell us what you want." And so every year, you know, when we have successes and when we have failures, because everyone does, mm-hmm. we always try to learn from those failures and make it better, because there's always room to improve. Mm-hmm. Because what we do is for the community, and I, I don't know if people know this, but the staff for Geek Girl Con we're 100 percent volunteer. So wow. we don't get paid for what we do, but we top to bottom, top to bottom, like our executive director, I'm the you know deputy. We don't get paid. We do this because we love it. Mm-hmm. And every person on staff does it for different reasons, but we all do it because we're committed to this, this organization and community that we love so much. Absolutely. Yeah. And that passion is, is evident. Mm-hmm. It is very evident in the type of the wide, wide variety of panels you guys have, of panelists, of yeah. contributors, it because it it's a, it ranges such a wide spectrum, mm-hmm. and I think that is something that also makes a con like this so special. Mm-hmm. So, a little bit about you, and not just about sure. the con. <laughs> when did your journey to geekdom start? Like, when when did you start to self-identify as a geek? So it's funny, actually, because um, when we write our bios mm-hmm. for the staff page, and I've been with Geek Girl Con since 2011, wow. so I had to think about, like, when did I first start to identify as a geek? Mm-hmm. And I realized that um, between my parents, my father was the infinitely geekier one. <laughs> he was the one who bought me, like, my first computer. It was a Commodore 64. Yep. He, when Empire Strikes Back came out, he was taking me to school, and he said, do you want to go see it today? And I'm like, after school? And he's like, no, we can go right now. No way. I will call the school and tell him you're sick. Just don't tell your mom. Ha ha. And we did. We, he basically wrote me a sick <laughs> note, and we snuck out and saw Empire twice. Now, if I know kids, mm-hmm. like we all were at some point, as soon as someone says, don't tell your mom, first thing your mom heard when she got in the door, <laughs> oh, my God, guess what we did today? Guess <laughs> what we did today. I did, no, I kept that secret wow. for years. Um, because okay, that is that is amazing. It's impressive, yes, that I can lie that long. And somewhere my mother's going, I can hear you. But um, like my husband always jokes that um, I had a tiger mom and a polar bear dad because hmm. my mother is Filipino. And right. She came to the States in the 60s. And my dad is Swedish-American. So my dad was probably the more permissive one. Um, he was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And he used to go, when he'd come back on his reserves, mm-hmm. he would get kind of all of the... Um, comics okay and we would read them together because he loved comics he grew up on awesome and so when i was writing my bio i was like wait like your dad was the one i mean my mom too like she cultivated some nerdy things more like history nerd and Mm -hmm. the need to like consume and know the root languages of stuff like like that is her but for my father it was more like the nerdy stuff like the pop culture nerdism culture Mm -hmm. going to see like john williams 
conduct an orchestra because mm-hmm. he loved movie music as a musician. He played the French horn. So I realized, yeah, my dad was like the nerd before nerds were a thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in school, it wasn't cool to be a nerd in the 80s. Right. There was that... that you know, if you were a nerd and you played D&D, then you were a dork and you didn't right. really identify. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd go to the arcade in our small Texas town and play Centipede and Galia for hours on a, like a roll of quarters. Mm-hmm. But that's not something you admitted. So it wasn't yeah. until I'd say I was in my late 20s and I started dating my boyfriend, now husband, mm-hmm. who also works with Geek Urkhan. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> that he was like, I, I want to tell you something about myself. I'm a role player. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like, what does that mean? He's like, I play D&D. And I'm not ashamed of it. And if you want to learn how to play, I totally teach you RPGs. And I'm like, sure. And it was like realizing that why did I have to hide yep. loving Star Wars and Star Trek and Westerns and Kung Fu movies? I grew up on Kung Fu movies. You know, mm-hmm. Why did I have to hide all this? Why didn't I find other people that I could be celebratory about a thing? Yep. Which is why I think sometimes when you geek out about something, it's because you find other people that aren't embarrassed. Yeah. To talk about, I don't know, Orphan Black or, or the Killjoys or whatever the fandom is, mm-hmm. they don't care who listens. They're going to talk about it because they love it. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between when someone says, oh, it's like my guilty pleasure. Like, I'll only listen to Barry Manilow when no one's listening. It's like, if you want to listen to Copacabana, <laughs> blast it. Like, enjoy that Manilow. Just claim or it. Claim it yeah. and own it because life is short. So mm-hmm. why hide? And you'll find other people that like the same things you do. And then you can nerd out on Sundays or yeah. Whatever you want to do. So, and I think that type of thing, having cons like Geek Girl Con, which mm-hmm. can be that kind of gateway to geekdom for people to be like, wait, I can go here mm-hmm. and be accepted. Yes. I can be whatever I want. I can dress whatever I want. I can cosplay as whatever I want mm-hmm. because fandom is not so individualized that it only belongs to one person or one subset. Exactly. You can do whatever you want. So to come to a place, meet people, Mm -hmm. even if, I mean, because there are a lot of people in our fandom, Mm -hmm. you know, our our geek brothers and sisters who uh, are incredibly introverted. Mm -hmm. And so it takes a lot of courage. And I I thoroughly applaud, you know, those people who do come out here Mm -hmm. because it can be very hard. Yeah, it can be daunting, too. If you're you're so used to maybe interacting with people you know, through the internet mm-hmm. and you have that delay and then I can erase what I say yeah. versus you're face to face with someone and you're like, Oh, there is no edit button. I am talking mm-hmm. to you face to face. For some people, I know that that's a, that's like a big hill yeah. to crest. So one of the best things about geek girl con, and I found this early on is that when I attended other conventions, if you weren't hip on like the new Fallout game, or mm-hmm. maybe you didn't play Halo Two, or you didn't read the new run of Batman, right. you would be greeted with that. Oh, hmm, okay, you're not legit. <laughs> Here, it's more like if someone, if you find someone that has never heard of Steven Universe, you mm-hmm. would find more people going. Oh, you have to watch it because yeah. inclusion or the message of love or strong female characters. It's people are so excited about their fandoms and they don't gatekeep. It's like yeah. you haven't seen this thing. You should watch it, or let no, me don't tell waste your time. You, let or, me tell yeah. you, and not to the point where it's the you need to finger in your face. Right. But I think you'd like it because, mm-hmm. and that's I think the coolest thing, especially when we, me, when I run into attendees from year to year. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, there was uh, a girl who went to one of our events 
four years ago, we had an b- event at the EMP. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a tie-in with Battlestar Galactica. Right. And she went with us, and she was like, I'm not really a geek. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so she went and enjoyed herself and had fun, started watching Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Over, the fourth year, over the last four years, she's like been here every year, and this year she's had like four separate cosplays in the weekend. So I'm like, Amazing. guess what? <laughs> You're officially a geek right. now. Like, you went to Japan, went to the Ghibli Museum. Wow. You're dressed like Sailor Moon. You made mm-hmm. your outfit. You're a geek. Yeah. And she's like... Bonafide. Stamped. Bonafide, yes, stamped. Your passport's been stamped. And so she was like, I just never knew mm-hmm. that liking this stuff was so cool. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, I, and, <laughs> and that type of inclusion, mm-hmm. that type of... The people that I have seen here, mm-hmm. from the panelists to the contributors, has that same type of attitude. Yeah. Where, again, it just it helps out so much when someone just wants to be a part of something yeah wants to try something talk to somebody Mm -hmm. you know find that inclusion because in places like this this is a safe space yes yes so and that i think really helps yeah um this is the first con that i have ever seen or heard about that had introverts alley yes which i it was fascinating and it was fascinating and incredibly important Mm -hmm. because again Going to a convention like this to a lot of people can be daunting, can be overwhelming, because again, they are, they might be used to their circle of friends mm-hmm. and their circle of geeks where that that is the safe space. Mm-hmm. Coming into something where there are ten thousand people, yeah, can be rough. So to have a space mm-hmm. that is quiet, a little bit isolated, where you can just sit, do what you need to do, mm-hmm. decompress, decompress, it's quiet. Yeah, yeah, and people won't won't look at you like you need to hurry and get out of the space. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years ago, I was emailed because I also run our Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. And at the time, back then, I also answered the, the info. Like, the oh, yeah, info. Yeah. I don't need more. Our awesome social media manager does that. Mm-hmm. But uh, somebody had emailed us and asked, um, like, she was worried about her and her mother because her mother uh, was a wheelchair user. Mm-hmm. And she said, I am a new cane user. And, like, what mm-hmm. is your accessibility policy? And I was like, like, can you be a little more specific? Like, we have elevators that go to all the floors. Okay. It's flat, the grade in the front. Like, Because yeah, yeah. I was thinking along those lines. And she said, no, like, when you line up for panels and people, like, will line up hours and head, like, I can't stand. Mm. And I said, oh, well, if you can't stand, an agent can bring you a chair or we can allow you to go in early. Like, no problem. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, that's it. Like, I don't have to have documentation to get a medical badge. Wow. And I went, and I realized, I said, have you never been to Geek Girl Con before? And she said, no. And I said, this con is different. <laughs> like, you're going to come here and you're going to find that more people are going to be cognizant and not be ableist. And mm-hmm. like, if your mother needs the elevator, she's not going to be like trying to get in when everyone's trying to rush off. Right. People, people will see, not assume. No, they won't assume that you mm-hmm. need help, but they will definitely ask in a very mindful way, whether it's an agent or an attendee. They'll ask you if you need help. They won't like move your cane for you, which happens at other places. Like, oh, you don't wow. need this, and you're like, oh, no, really, that I do. Actually, <laughs> did, and why would you do that to them? So, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that because there's such a purposeful mindfulness, mm-hmm. like you said, from the contributors to the speakers yeah. to the agents who they go through a really stringent vetting process, mm. so that they know, like, don't misgender people. Right. It's okay to ask what a pronoun is. Like, what is your preferred pronoun? Mm-hmm. And we've had people just tell us that's so refreshing that they can come here and not be misgendered or feel like they don't belong because people are so unfortunately accustomed to 
that happening. Yeah, they they expect it, and when mm-hmm. they don't, when they don't experience it, I had one woman say that um, because it was the first time that she, as a trans woman, mm-hmm. she came to Gee Girl Con. And she said she was armored up and ready to be called sir. And wow. she said every time that she encountered someone and she introduced herself mm-hmm. with a female name, mm-hmm. very clearly female, everyone said like either said her name or referred to her as her or she. And she, she's telling me this story, and it was on Sunday by the time we're all kind of fill up with feels. And I'm like, right. you're going to make me cry. You're going to make me cry. And she's like, no, I never felt more included. Wow. And next year I want to bring my wife because I want to show her what I experienced. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yep, there it is. There's the credit yep. the tears. You did it. You're crying. <laughs> that was a hot button. Yeah, that was it. So, yeah. Amazing. Okay. Um, now, you were involved, not only as deputy director, yeah. doing a whole bunch of stuff. But <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of plates in the air. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, again, thank you for taking a few minutes. Oh, down. no. It's nice to, to, to be in the green room <laughs> right. where all the interviews are happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the panels. Mm-hmm. You have been involved in... A couple panels. Yes. Over the over this weekend. Yes. Uh, name those real quick and just kind of like give a little synopsis because sure. you know people are not really going to get a chance to go to these this year mm-hmm. and so to give them a taste of what they can look forward to next year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what kind of panels were you doing this year? That I was doing or that yes. we had here? Okay. Oh so no, if you were, I, what we did here, there would be way more. <laughs> <laughs> no, the ones that you were specifically involved in. Sure. So I did two panels this year. The first one I did was. Um, examining Western animation mm-hmm. and looking at the evolution of females in Western animation. Mm-hmm. Because if we opened up to animation, then we'd have to have <laughs> anime, which would have been like a two-hour panel. Right. We were like, no, let's look at the focus of, say, cartoons from the 70s mm-hmm. to now. Like, let's look at Wilma Flintstone mm-hmm. and then uh, Judy Jetson mm-hmm. and how that evolved into uh, Marceline and Princess Bubblegum. Like, let's look at that. Let's look at the Lisa Simpsons and, and the Cora, Marges and Cora. Yes, last year I did a panel all on Cora <sighs> because I'm a complete Avatar nerd. Mm-hmm. Love um, it. Love Avatar so much. Um, I do have to say, speaking of Avatar, real quick. Sure, we can segue to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the recent article that came out mm-hmm. was the clickbaitiest article. I forget who originally posted, but it was like new Cora series. And I was like, click, and I went. <laughs> Oh, oh, what is this? Graphic novel. No, this is not. Granted, it is still in the world. Like, yes, we will still get it. But, but I want moving pictures. <laughs> exactly. I'm spoiled. Why are my pictures moving? It's not like a, what are they called? Chat books, flip books? Right. Like, I can't make it move. There's no yeah. bending happening. So um, that, that, was, that was disappointing. As a huge Avatar fan myself, Yeah. I knew you felt the same way about I that. I did. And that, it was funny. When, when we were talking about, because going through kind of the arc of, the, the women on the timeline mm-hmm. and we ended like our final screen had like Korra and Toph and mm-hmm. some Steven Universe characters like the Gems right. and Marceline and Bubblegum and I, I said she's not on the slide but I really have to mention how much I love Lin Bei Fong mm, as a yeah, character absolutely as a woman who chose a career mm-hmm. over love didn't regret it nope but at the same time has this kind of beef with her sister that they showed in multiple episodes mm-hmm. of an interesting family dynamic had a mom issue that the mother mm-hmm. was just like, what? I don't see Ta- a problem. Toph you know? was tough. Toph was tough. Like- <laughs> but the fact that they showed kind of a robust older woman mm-hmm. who made choices and like in that scene, sorry, this is a spoiler, in that scene where she's on the airship when she makes the choice to sacrifice yep. and Milo's like, she's my hero every time. And like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's to see that in animation is yeah. awesome because you're like that's so cool 
especially so, in Western animation yeah. that has learned. It shows that they have taken you yeah. know the amazing storytelling from mm-hmm. Eastern traditional Eastern animation. And now they're finally able to have the great script writers, have the animators to back it up, yeah. and tell incredible stories and that are not just kind of retreads of some of the, the anime that we grew up with. Yeah, like the tropes. Exactly. Yeah. And like, yeah, we were, some of us were talking afterwards and like the, uh, we brought it up in the pair. Someone brought it up in the panel that the episode where you see um, Toph and Katara mm-hmm. have their kind of static. Yeah. To show that women can have close relationships and they can also be mad and they can also resolve it. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with a man. Yep. It has to do with the fact that they didn't get along and they had different views of how traveling would be. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like they literally make the joke of Katara says something like, look at the moon. And she's like, oh, you can't, can you? It's like, did they just make that joke? (laughs) And then she says something and Toph makes her own tent. You know, it's like, this is some Mm -hmm. high quality shade from these two women who aren't getting along right now. Mm -hmm. And then, but it didn't mean that the relationship was over. It just, let's, let's compromise and figure out how to make this work. So I just, I I love, I love that cartoon so much. So anyway. Uh, the second panel that I did was um, a sort of a part two from mm-hmm. last year. Okay. Um, I did uh, a panel with the same two panelists, um, mm-hmm. J.C. Lau, who is uh, our manager of copy and editorial services, okay. and my friend Maris Mullaly, who's a, she calls herself a lapsed archaeologist because she was one, hmm. and she now works at University of Washington. I can't remember with what, okay. but... Um, all of us are either Asian American or first generation Asian. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing was, is what we did last year was we were examining Asian American representation in media. Mm-hmm. And there was a attendee who was Indonesian American and she covered it in her blog so well. We're like, do you mm-hmm. want to be on the panel? Because you loved it so much. And so she was on the wow. panel this year discussing games. We added games to the representation. Okay. So the cool thing about this is we had called it breaking the bamboo ceiling. Clever. Right, we're just yep. like, isn't that clever? And then we, I, we found out someone else had used it. And I'm like, nah. We didn't rip them off. We just didn't know. Um, looking at film, TV, and games. Mm-hmm. And we kind of went through it, not super quick, but each of us kind of had a focus. And at the end, what we wanted to do is we wanted to talk to the audience about if you want to write a character, mm-hmm. what is it like to write a character that would be Asian or Asian American without the trappings yeah because in one of the things i referenced with dr strange hollywood loves asians Mm -hmm. asian culture but hold the asians please and the fact that there's jc brought up that there's more asians in luke cage than there is in dr strange wow there's like one is benedict wong Wong. one asian in dr strange he is incredible he's incredible (laughs) i have loved him since that movie dirty pretty things oh yeah with chewie tell eg4 and um emily uh, Audrey yeah. Tattoo? Audrey Tattoo. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, dust that one off. Um, <laughs> so he was like, I love him. Fantastic. Even though he's playing a manservant named Wong. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's in this movie. But then you have Luke Cage where you have Genghis Khani. And mm-hmm. she doesn't speak in broken English. Right. Her husband has a little bit of right. an accent. But there's... She, she, has, then, she has her own agency. She, yes, she does. Yeah. And like, she's not putting up with Luke's crap. She wants her money because she's a landlady. Mm-hmm. And she's not tropey. So we were asking the audience... And I only want to mention this because this is the cool part. So we were asking the audience, throw out like a, um, a career mm-hmm. or a type. So someone was like, werewolf. And we're like, okay, werewolf's not a career, but we'll do werewolf. <laughs> and so then we got okay. from the audience. So this is a crowdsourcing exercise. Mm-hmm. So we got 
werewolf mm-hmm. librarian who held a, like a master's in librarian sciences. Of course, of course. That his parents wanted him to be a doctor, but he didn't like people. Mm-hmm. So that's why he wanted libraries so he could be alone with his books. But he has he's allergic to cats and dust, which is kind of sad as a librarian because of the dust. Mm-hmm. So these are all like, let's give us descriptors that you don't n- normally... It doesn't scream he's Asian. Right. So in this scenario, we were like, it, John Cho was our, okay. he's going to be in this thing. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the crowdsourcing, we had a werewolf librarian allergic to cats and dust, but he was friends with vampires because he wanted to break down that whole vampire Of course. Yeah. And so just as a joke, I tweeted to John Cho saying, we created a bespoke role for you. And I listed it. And then uh, my other friend, JC, had also tweeted something about mm-hmm. John Cho was like the the focus. Everyone was so excited to talk about him. And he liked both of our tweets. Awesome. And we saw it at the same time. And she literally ran around the table. She's like screaming, high five, John Cho. <laughs> and I went, what are you talking about? And she was pointing. We're like, that's so cool. Awesome. Um, the reason why John Cho is also of note, not just because he's awesome. Mm-hmm. But last year I was talking about, I had to relay a story where he was saying, what representation was in growing up not seeing yourself in media mm-hmm. did to him. Yeah. That he was like having his makeup done on set and he had his makeup artist and there was two other makeup artists kind of cleaning up and they were talking about someone that was really cute. He's so cute. He's, he's really cute. And so they left. Mm-hmm. And his makeup artist was like nudged him and said, you know they were talking about you. And he's like, no, they weren't. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> were you not listening? And he was right. like, they were talking about a hot guy. It's not me. And wow. she was like, you are the hot you guy. Are the hot guy. <laughs> and he said, in that moment, he realized never seeing like robust Asian male characters mm-hmm. that were allowed to have agency. Whereas like Glenn on the walking dead, he's, he's got a wife and he's got a kid on the way. So he's right. not like neutered. I, I don't mm-hmm. like that term. But yeah, yeah. He's fully realized and he sexualized his character. Mm-hmm. He said, he realized at that moment, Wow, representation is so important because even though someone was telling him, three people were telling him, mm-hmm. you are the handsome guy that we're talking about. He said, I couldn't hear it. I couldn't yeah. see it. And literally, I jokingly said, look at the photo, audience. And everyone was laughing, going, he's on a white horse. It was a scene from Selfie where he rides up on a white horse. <laughs> and everyone was like, how could you not? Mm-hmm. But then it, we all talked about how that plays into the whole like decolonializing and unpacking what Western beauty is versus what... Right. We grew up with and are flying into the radar. So that was the second panel was about representation awesome. of Asian Americans and how um, this year it's like the most Asians in leads or series regulars. Hmm. Uh, angry Asian man like counted and literally there was something like 24 photos of Jeez. Asians in roles in addition to like maybe the 10 other shows that are right. – had been re-upped for this year, like Fresh Off the Boat, iZombie, mm-hmm. Walking Dead, Mindy Project, like all of these shows. And you're like, it is getting better. Mm-hmm. It's slow, but it's getting better. It's not all like Matt Damon and Great Wall and, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> Doctor well, Strange or Ghost in the Shell, which I can rant about for way too long. Right. But I will not. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so just kind of wrap up. Sure. Uh, what things... This year, what were some of your biggest successes this year in particular? Biggest successes? I would say this year we had a real focus on user ability, UX design. Okay. Um, Our design manager, um, Stephanie Hahn, Mm -hmm. she wanted signs everywhere this year. That was her big thing. Like she wanted proper like map signs for each floor so Mm -hmm. that people, when they exit the elevator or the escalator, 
I mean, they could always ask an agent. Of we course. always say that. Please ask Which, someone. Which, by the way, huge shout out to the volunteers everywhere. Yeah. The agents are tremendous. They are everywhere. Some of them are so stubborn. Like our, our volunteer coordinator, uh, Amy, she always makes sure they have breaks and built-in stuff. Mm-hmm. Some of them, some of these agents will come at 8 in the morning and work all the way till 11. And they literally have to be pushed out the door to take a break. Wow. Like they want to help because they really believe in what yeah. we do. And we're like, you're work, you're working longer than we are, and we're like <laughs> go the organizers. Home. Go home or eat or like, can we buy you something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really awesome folks. Yeah, so huge shout out to them. Yes, yeah. props to our agent core. Um, I can't remember what I was saying. But, so you're talking oh, about the f- maps. And- yes, having maps mm-hmm. and everything clearly laid uh, um, out, laid out. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing with the fact that this is our first year to expand, yeah. so we have the entire building. Is- so we were able to put, say, uh, Artist Alley and our exhibitors on the same floor and kind of mix mm-hmm. it up. So the entire top floor is 175 vendors. Yeah, it is massive. It's massive. And some people, like, I had some friends of mine come from California. Mm-hmm. They did half of it yesterday. And I saw them leaving, and I was like, are you okay? Like, why are you leaving? They both said, we filled up our totes with stuff from Expo. We're going back to the hotel to dump it because Sunday is the second pass. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, and she was like, it's okay. We can check our bags. It's fine. We brought extra baggage. Awesome. But they literally, like, filled. They were. They looked like they just hit a, like, a... Farmers a market, market just huge bags of stuff. Um, so having all of that upstairs, mm-hmm. having our DIY science zone right where people come in, yes, where you can see all of that activity on the kids mm-hmm. doing science. Um, having the gaming floor still remain where it is. Having the panels in rooms that we've named Ahura and Cora and mm-hmm. Samus, and the programming team. Megan is our director, so shout out to Megan of really trying to do like let's do all the science panels in Ahura. Mm-hmm. Because she was a science officer. Yeah, Let's sure. do all these things like over here, you know, trying to keep them grouped. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect, but <laughs> getting better every year. It's a of, process. It's a process. Yeah. But it's really cool. I love that our rooms have names this year because I'm just like, go to Cora, go to Garnet, go to America, go to this one. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, very cool. So, where can people kind of like keep up with, with you, with the con? Because people should get involved in yes. cons like this because. It is important. It is very important to have cons like this that have that inclusivity mm-hmm. that you just you want to be a part of. So, yeah. where can people find you guys online, social media? Sure. Basically, everywhere online. We like we're on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on Meetup. Uh, so, GeekGirlCon, all one word. dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Meetup group is actually pretty cool. We run a inclusive game nights for mm-hmm. free twice a month at Wayward Coffee House, which is the Brown Coat Coffee House in the U District. Right. And then we also do one in conjunction with Mox Boarding House on the East Side. So it's a safe space for gamers who just want to come play games. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we get a lot of women who move to Seattle and they're geeky and they're like. I want to go play games and not get hit on. And we're like, this is the place. Like, <laughs> right. um, My husband, Andy, is the one who hosts those game nights. Awesome. And he's really good at pairing introverts and extroverts together. And he's also really good with, you look like you might be trouble. So let me pair you with maybe one of our vocal attendees gotcha. who will shut it down. Because if <laughs> our group is so cool, they kind of self-police themselves. Mm-hmm. And if because they, they are, oh yeah, adults. They're adults, yes. Weird. <laughs> and we have like, I think our youngest attendee to that is thirteen, mm-hmm. and she's super mindful. Like, awesome. I this is such a cool story. So there was um, somebody who uh, 
their pronoun choice was they. Mm-hmm. And when they were playing this game, like a super easy game of, um, I can't remember. It's the game where, yeah, Forbidden Island. Okay. Where you're all doing the island is going away. One of the new people kept calling the attendee a him. Mm. And after the second or third time of being corrected, the next time they was like, oh, it's his turn. The girl was like, it's their turn. Get it right. And I was like... <laughs> The 13-year-old oh, girl. The 13-year-old. Awesome. And the other guy was like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, it's okay. Just don't do it again. Like, hmm. And I was just like, that's so cool. And the mom was walking by because sometimes the mom will bring her laptop mm-hmm. and do work in the corner. Yeah. And I was like, okay, your kid's really cool. And I told her the story. And she said, oh, it's because one of her classmates mm-hmm. actually has identifies as non-binary. So the teacher at school did a whole explanation of what that means and how pronouns wow. are important. And so she was like, yeah, my daughter is just like a little warrior a about little it. Champion. I'm like, that's awesome. Very yeah. cool. So everywhere okay. online at geekgirlcon.com. Gotcha. And then your Twitter handle is me yeah oh i am german city girl all of course because people want to interact yeah. with you and... german city girl i love to talk to people i will tweet back at you fantastic I tweet a lot of things <laughs> a lot of which are avatar which are awesome yes i will talk avatar <laughs> for the the it's it's so cool the the woman that i got to do um the animation panel with she was our moderator mm-hmm. her name is eula and she has a podcast here in seattle called hella black hella seattle oh okay right? yeah, yeah. all about bringing people of color in and being like we're all nerds let's hang out mm-hmm. avatar came up and she was like oh i'm an avatar nerd and i was like really and she's like my dog is named appa and i went we are gonna get along <laughs> your dog is named appa fantastic <laughs> yeah so yeah great all right well, thank you again, Christine, for sitting down and telling us all about this very, very special and important convention. Yes. Thank you for listening to me ramble. Of course. I talk a lot. No worries. <laughs> all right. So that was Christine, and you can find her at German City Girl. That's me. Yes. All right. So I am sitting here with Evan J. Peterson, who is a nonfiction and fiction author, mm-hmm. poet, mm-hmm. performer, Editor, the list could go on and on. You forgot actress slash model. Right, okay, yes, actress, model, <laughs> philanthropist, yes. MC. Yeah. So a whole lot of titles. Yeah, DTF, the whole thing. There, right, there we go. So yesterday, Evan moderated a panel that unfortunately I was unable to attend. Uh, the panel was Ripley Loves, Loves Furiosa, Women Kicking Butt in Action, Sci-Fi, and Horror. So since I was unable to go to that and people listening to this, only some of them might have been able to go, tell me about that panel. Well, I assembled my team, mm-hmm. uh, Evan's Angels. Um, I got Laura Lucas, who is a local sci-fi fantasy author. She's a woman of color. Um, I got Katie Tippy, who is a contributor to the podcast Turn Up the Lady Bro. Okay. Uh, and she... She does post-colonial theory and applies that to pop culture and feminism. Uh, And we also had Grace Moore, who does uh, a women's Star Trek podcast, which uh, I think is called Women of Warp. Okay. Sorry, Grace, for forgetting that. But yeah, if you look (laughs) up Grace Moore in Star Trek. (laughs) That is what the Google machine is for. Yes, indeed. Um, so we hung out and we just talked about our favorite female action heroes mm-hmm. and we went all over the place. Um, you know, for me, when I suggested the panel and just talking to them, I, I went over my favorite mm-hmm. kick butt women. 
Um, so Ellen Ripley, absolutely love Furiosa, mm -hmm. but I also love Eon Flux and yes. I love Storm. And um, I've, I've not gotten to watch Jessica Jones yet, but I feel like I get it just because everybody around me has been talking about it. So, Fair enough. Yeah. You know, I'm overdue to see Jessica Jones and I really want to see uh, Luke Cage, but that's, mm -hmm. that's a story for another day. Um, so yeah, we just, uh, we talked about these kick-ass women and then they brought in like Game of Thrones mm -hmm. and, uh, how that, how that franchise and that property treats women. Yes. Cause a lot of the women are absolutely ruthless, Yes, but then women get raped constantly and they try to apologize. They try to be apologists about that mm -hmm. by saying like, oh, well it was the times. You know, yeah. but you also have dragons and zombies, so you're not <laughs> right. really, you know, you're not going entirely with the times. Yeah, and they they find an interesting kind of dichotomy with the show because, yeah, they have mm -hmm. some of the strongest female characters that, that we have seen in, in recent years juxtaposed with some horrible treatment of women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so I can see how that would be uh, controversial and... And just, yeah, it, it is difficult mm -hmm. when you're like, I love this show and what they do with certain characters, but then they completely kind of trash on other ones. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So mostly we just talked about who we love. And actually the, the panel got into a lot of people outside of the spec genre. Okay. Like, uh, they, a lot of the panelists love uh, Viola Davis's character on how to get away with murder. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we talked at the end about the women creators in the right. genres and, you know, the necessity to get more women behind the camera and, mm -hmm. you know, writing the scripts, et cetera, in order to have these changes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it absolutely makes sense mm -hmm. because, you know, it, change happens from within. Yeah. And so if you bring people in who have different opinions, have different ideas, can relate to it, hopefully those stories manifest that yes. way. And, uh, you know, we also got a bit into intersectionality with questions like, can anybody name a, an, a female Asian action hero who doesn't do martial arts? Female Asian action hero who does not do martial arts. I would really have to think about that. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's Jubilee. True. X-Men. Who has never gotten the credit she deserves in yes. any of the movies. Yeah. They're like, cool, this time we are actually going to put her in there for three minutes. Oh. Really? No. Yeah. No. And, and then you have people like Psylocke, who's actually a white lady trapped in yep. an Asian ninja's body. I like yep. when they get self-referential. There's, there's an issue of X-Force mm -hmm. uh, when they rebooted X-Force for the 87th time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, it's Wolverine's team Mm -hmm. And they're like black ops for the X Men. They go execute okay. people, but right. like like under the radar because the X Men aren't supposed to kill anybody. Right. So yeah, Wolverine's team. And so you take the mm -hmm. government organization of X Force and have them do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, so there's this one issue in which uh, Psylocke becomes uh, one of Apocalypse's horsemen. She right. becomes deaf, and I think it's I think it's Deadpool uh, who says, "You know, I was just expecting your death outfit to be less." Assy, you know, because Psylocke's ass is always everywhere. Out. Yep. yep. For a ninja, she has humongous breasts. Like that must yeah. get in the way of her sword play. You would think so. <laughs> you would think so. <laughs> so with this, with this topic of you know women kicking butt, how did you kind of come up with this idea 
for for this panel, or mm-hmm. why was this important to you? Well, it's Geek Girl Con. Yes. So I felt like it was very appropriate. Um, I I do a Women of Horror series here in Seattle called Shriek. Okay. Yeah, uh, we do that at Naked City Brewery. We we watch films and talk about them as a as a class hmm. uh, and examine what's going on from like gender studies and film studies and you know narrative. Uh, so I love I love strong kick ass women. Right. Um, I. I, I I think it does have to do with me being gay and genderqueer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I present as mostly male, but not particularly masculine, um, especially at cons and stuff. I love wearing makeup and... And crystals. Yes. Uh, I, yeah. I will put up the picture of, yeah. of Evan's outfit, and I'm sure that you have put up several of, of what you're wearing right now, and I'm staring mm. at... Yeah, some crystals on either side. Yeah. Very becoming. Nice Thank gold you. accents. Yeah. And silver as well. Thank you. Um, so I, the first kick-ass woman that I ever wanted to be was Catwoman. Like, Great choice. Yeah, I think whenever Batman Returns came out was probably 1992. 90, yeah, 91, 92. Mm-hmm. So I was about 10, and I was just like, I want to be Catwoman. Like, I didn't have this young gay boy confusion where I was like, I I have a crush on Catwoman. Like, no, I was pretty sure I wanted to be her when I grew right. up. You know, and so, you know, I do something every day to make me feel like Catwoman. Um, so yeah, it, for me, it's, it's looking up to these really amazing, uh, sly, smart, tough women. Mm Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not trans. Um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be a woman all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I just like slipping in and out of genders. So Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I when I was doing my research, as any good you know journalist would do, mm-hmm. Rocky Horror Picture Show yeah. definitely gives you that ability yes. to slip between <laughs> worlds yes. and be a number of different things. Well, and the gender spectrum you can be in in Rocky is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I've I've been I've been like on both poles and in the center. I've played Rocky, mm-hmm. who's the ultimate macho man. Right. And then I've played Janet, who's the ultimate blushing violet who turns into mm-hmm. the burlesque sex kitten. And I've also played Dr. Frank, who is just like... A sweet transvestite. Yeah. he uh, Frank is just a gender conundrum in the best <laughs> of ways. So Totally agree. I'm actually excited for the reboot because they took casting very seriously. And I think no matter what happens with the reboot of Rocky Horror... Mm-hmm. If you get the right cast, that will save everything. And the fact that Tim Curry is back is wonderful. Yes. I love that they're getting Laverne Cox to play Dr. Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, they got Ben Vereen to be Dr. Scott. It just it was very, very smart casting. Also, I, I want to F the S out of Reeve Carney from uh, Penny Dreadful. Okay. He plays Dorian Gray on Penny <laughs> Dreadful, and he's playing Riff Raff in the reboot. Really? Yes. Interesting. Really, really well done casting. And even though I am excited i'm hesitantly excited for the reboot just like in all of fandom and i've talked about this on the show before if you love that thing whatever it is and they reboot it it did not ruin it they did not burn all the copies of the dvds Mm -hmm. you can go back you can listen to it you can watch it it is still there yeah and so (laughs) just calm down you know so we're we're seeing we're seeing that resistance to change at most palpably with with the the dumpster fire that was Ghostbusters, or not right. the movie itself, but but like all the what drama yeah. 
around it. Like, you know, people calling people calling Leslie Jones a gorilla on social media. Yeah, that was Why? awful. Because she's she's a woman and black and she's in Ghostbusters. And yeah. you know, like and on the other side, there was the problem of she's the only one that's not a scientist. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? You know, uh, <laughs> like Jesus Christ, we rebooted. We rebooted the franchise. So why, you know, why does the black one have to be the not scientist again? Right. We made them all women. You know, like we have to do better. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads me to one of my questions: What do you think is the biggest barrier to these to this just reluctance? of finding those strong female characters. What is that barrier and how do you think we can push past it? Um, I think that men, regardless of sexual orientation, uh, cause gay boys do this too. I think men in general are very resistant of losing turf to women. Mm-hmm. And I think it happens both consciously and unconsciously. Hmm. You know, guys have their turf. That's what privilege is about. Right. And most of us, I won't even say most, so many of us who are in positions of power, uh, s- we see any loss of turf as the end of the world. <laughs> like the women are coming to throw us in death camps right. because there are two of them now on the board. You know, <laughs> right. like it's so like crybaby Heaven forbid drama. it is equally represented. Yeah. Uh, I like I like Ruth Bader Gainsbourg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's comment, someone asked her, uh, how many women are enough for the Supreme Court? And she said, oh, nine. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, So I have a game. Let's play a game. That I I created, especially because I really wanted to see the panel. Something came up and I could not see it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have an eight-woman tournament. Yeah? I have an eight-woman tournament, and this is... I will put a picture of this up on social media once we have finished the tournament. Okay. Uh, so I have eight women. Strong, just badass women. Mm-hmm. Michonne from Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Furiosa. Ray from Star Wars. Ripley. Jessica Jones. Storm. Yushu Lian, Michelle Yeoh's character from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. And Sarah Connor. Mm. So I randomly assigned all of the brackets... So there will be a winner from each of these matches. And then at the end, there will be crowned the most badass. Okay. So round one is Michonne from Walking Dead versus Furiosa. I don't want to pit these women against each other. I like all of them existing on their own as these really tough women who know how to survive and they know how to be leaders, etc. Um, you know, anytime someone asks me like, like who would win in a fight? Like mm-hmm. I don't want to watch them fight. I want to watch them have sex. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's my answer to everything. Like like anytime two people are in conflict, I'm like you two should just have sex. You hmm. know, like doesn't matter what their genders are. I right. mean, for the sake of the game, I'll play mm-hmm. it. But I just okay. want to point that out that I'm like I don't I don't want these women to fight to the death. <laughs> so, so may- maybe just uh, just a standard, not necessarily fight to the death. Then mm-hmm. just a. A contest. Yes. We'll put Let's it do way. it that way. A contest. Let's do it that way. Okay. okay. So round one, Michonne versus Furiosa. <laughs> you have the sword-wielding, mm-hmm. zombie-killing Michonne yeah. versus the incredible <laughs> Furiosa with one arm that does a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Who you got? I think Michonne. I think that she, wow. I think she has more will to survive than Furiosa. Okay. 
I like that. I mean, all of these are a tough call. I'm looking yes. over this list, and I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, I was not going to make it easy for yeah. you. Yeah, well, thank you. So, yeah. okay. I think I think sheer, uh, sheer resolve, mm. it goes to Michonne, because Michonne, I think, has something to live for. Furiosa is living to help others. Interesting. She herself, as a lone wolf, does not have enough reason to survive. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Round two, Ray versus Ripley. So I want to be Ellen Ripley. Okay. Um, <laughs> are, are we are we are we saying like where they are now? Like Ripley as of Alien Three, Ugh. or Ripley we, as of Alien at at their peak, at, at their, their peak, best, at their best. Because you okay. and I both might like to not think about mm-hmm. the later Alien movies. Um. But yeah, so at their peak. So initially I was going to say Ray because she's a budding force mm-hmm. talent. But I think Ripley is more street smart than Ray. Mm. Okay. Um, Ray knows how to survive. She grew up on Tatooine for heaven's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, Ripley, however, I think Ripley just has more life experience than Ray. So it's a super close call, but All right. I'm going to go with Ripley. Begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. I mean, Ray, Ray could kick Ripley's ass with the force. Mm-hmm. Ripley can kick Ray's ass with anything at her disposal. Yeah. A pipe. Yeah. A giant mech suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving over to the other side of the board. And I know you said you have not seen it, but, you know, we will go mm-hmm. with it. Jessica Jones versus Storm. Storm. Yeah. That, that one was, that was a tough one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, no shade to to the ones who are losing these matches, right. but you know, Storm has she's such a seasoned warrior and leader, mm-hmm. um, and Jessica Jones is definitely tough, and she's a survivor. But I think Storm has her through the combination of her particular superpowers and also her experience. Yeah. You know, like Jessica Jones survived Purple Man. Mm-hmm. Storm survived everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And there's a difference between resilience and toughness also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then Yushu Lian, Michelle Yeoh from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I say that because people might not know the exact mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yushu Lian versus Sarah Connor. I'm going to go with Sarah Connor. Really? S- yeah. Sarah Connor, similar to, similarly to Ripley. She will use anything at her disposal to survive. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that when I was making this. I was like, okay, we know that Yushu can deflect darts and swords and all of these things. We do not know if she can deflect bullets. So that would, yeah. be, that would yeah. be difficult. All right. So now do mm-hmm. you know, the final four. Michonne versus Ripley. Mm. Actually, no, sorry, just kidding. Michonne versus Storm. I was going the other way around. Uh, <laughs> Storm. Storm? Yeah. I think Storm would be able to disarm Michonne. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she would not kill Michonne. Right. She would disarm her, and she would get Michonne to work for her. Like, like she would recruit Michonne to her team. Yeah. Storm's really good at this. <laughs> she is a natural leader. Yeah. For sure. She's okay. a goddess. True. Uh, then Ripley versus Sarah Connor. That's a really tough one, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say Ripley. I think Ripley has the edge on Sarah. Okay. They've, Ripley, I think, essentially has been through all the same stuff that Sarah has, mm-hmm. plus more. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, she did survive an incredible situation that she was put into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So yeah. then the final match, this final contest between these two incredible women mm-hmm. is Storm <laughs> versus Ripley. That's a draw. A draw. Uh, yeah. They, they fall in love and run away together <laughs> and, and, okay. start, and start their own super team. Wow. All yeah. right. So it is official. It is a draw between mm-hmm. Storm and Ripley. Okay. And I look forward to that movie. Uh, they might need a, a writer for that movie. Uh, yeah. Do you happen to know anyone who, who could do that? Gosh, you know, let me think. Um, I would love to team up with a female screenwriter. There you go. In order to write that movie. You know, I'm, I'm thrilled that Marvel has finally discovered the power of letting women write women characters. And Imagine letting that. <laughs> people of color write characters, you mm-hmm. know, of their same ethnic or religious background. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, technically, you know, technically Willow Wilson is a white woman writing, a, writing uh, Kamala Khan, who's a person of color. Um, but they're both Muslim women. There you so, go. you know, I feel like that's better than having, like, Brian Michael Bendis, you know, writing Muslim women. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, there's a connection. It, yeah. is, it brings an authenticity. Yes. So, and I think yeah. authenticity in all of fandom and in all of mm-hmm. these geek genres that we love mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. You can tell when a writer or creator cares about the material. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, I, if I'm going to write a property that's about people who have a completely different life experience than myself Mm -hmm. and are a particular marginalized group. Um, I want to at least collaborate with someone from that group. Okay. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. Studios pay attention. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so Evan, where can people keep up with you and all of the projects that you do? Cause this is a very busy person in front of me. <laughs> I, I am a very busy person. Um, yeah, I've got my new nonfiction book coming out next year, which is The Prep Diaries, mm-hmm. all about uh, being on Truvada as prep mm-hmm. uh, and the changing landscape of dating and sex and uh, medicine and how all of this is changing around HIV and what's possible for us. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I've got my, my more fictional projects and things like that. So I'm, um, you can check my website, which is evanjpeterson.com. Perfect. Um, you can follow my Facebook page, Evan J. Peterson on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very cohesively branded. Perfect. Uh, you can also follow my Twitter at Evan J. Peterson. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's where you can follow my work and, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for me. Excellent. Well, thank you for making the time at this awesome Geek Girl Con. Thank you so much for inviting me to this. I, you know, I love to give interviews and, you know, play games where we say, you know, <laughs> you know, who would win and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm really flattered that I was invited to be part of your project. Absolutely. Well, again, it is Evan J. Peterson. You can find him at Evan J. Peterson at just about everything. Yes. So, thanks again, Evan. <laughs> thank you, John. And I'm very lucky to, to be sitting down with Dr. Rachel Burks, who is a chemist uh, and was one of the moderators for uh, Science After Dark. Uh, but the big thing that she was doing that was incredible is the DIY Science Zone. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so tell people about this incredible DIY science zone. So the DIY science zone usually has about 12 to 15 experiments that take anywhere between five and 15 minutes that geek girl con attendees can do. Mm -hmm. And so we've got stuff like making 
nanolayer rainbows and DNA extraction from strawberries <laughs> and looking at how to you know build a, a wind machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so all sorts of activities. We try to cover all of the big science disciplines. So this year too, we had entomology. So we had mm. we had live creatures. How did I miss those? What creatures were they? We had some great ones. They, they were teaching folks the difference between a millipede and a centipede. Okay. And they had a tarantula. Okay. So yeah, so lots of creepy crawlies. Um, and then we also they had they had uh, build your own bee. So B Y O B. Uh, so it was very fun. <laughs> and uh, we had zombie statistics. So would you survive a zombie apocalypse? Mm-hmm. Um, so we had all kinds of stuff. So we had stats and math and physics. We had astronomy. We had galaxy count. So we try to cover all of the scientific disciplines and give people a good mix of what's kind of going on in STEM. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for they, those people who do not know what STEM is. STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. Mm-hmm. This year we also had some kind of STEAM, so that would be science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Right. Um, so we had that you could make poetry from science journals. Oh, wow. And we had you could make some you know crafty nature notebooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a bit of a mix of, of science and the arts. And so we like to give people lots of opportunities to literally and figuratively get their hands dirty. Yes. <laughs> um, and sometimes kaboom. So this year we also had rockets. Yes. Uh, I was wondering, I, I would randomly see things just popping yep. up from the table <laughs> that was that was the rocket demo um, activity people got to to do that and so we like to give people a good mix and just have them have fun and it's loud and sometimes it smells funny and very very is, messy that is science that is science and and really I think the more maybe the more important thing is that each station is staffed by science educator or research scientist who's been doing this for years mm. and they also are typically educators or really active in outreach. So we also set the number of people who can be at any one station to usually four to six. So it's okay. a it's a good ratio. Yeah, of very kind intimate, of very intimate, close. so that you can not only get an idea about the activity, but you could see, hey, this is what scientists look like. This <laughs> right. is the dorky stuff that we're into. Mm-hmm. This is you know what their personalities are, and they could ask questions. Um, and so it gives also an opportunity to just kind of see the the people behind the fields. Yeah. Um, and so people can get an idea. Most of the scientists working in the zone are women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this year we had three males. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a good mix. We have, you know, people of color. We have uh, people with different abilities. Uh, we have uh, LGBTQ folks. We want to give people something that they can identify with. Um, I've said this a couple of times, but people want to see themselves in their dreams. So it's awesome. not just the idea of science. I'm but writing that down. People if, want to see themselves in <laughs> their dreams. They want to see themselves in yeah. their dreams. And so if you, if you see a scientist that looks like you or sounds like you or is excited as excited about Steven Universe as you are, uh, then you're going to think, hey, I could do that thing. I don't have to yep. give up anything. I don't have to be something I'm not. I can mm-hmm. still be everything that I am and still be a scientist. Mm-hmm. So I think the human interaction as well as the activities is really the is the key thing. And there's something with dry ice and she was making a comet? Yes, that was so. Nicole, Dr. Nicole Gallucci, who's a radio astronomer. Mm-hmm. And she did both comets that were based in CO2 and ammonia and dirt. 
but also craft comets. So they mm-hmm. were doing both types of comets. Um, and then we also had a Meredith, who's also an astronomer. So both have PhDs uh, in Jeez. astronomy. So we've got a lot of very expert people yeah. uh, that are in there. But they also do a lot of education and outreach. And they they love it as much as I hope the people who attend. Because mm-hmm. uh, to see somebody's eyes light up yeah. and that they're having fun and maybe they've learned something. Uh, is always kind of the best part of our day. Absolutely. When you were talking about STEM, it reminded me when I was, I think, sixth grade going into seventh grade. I'm not even sure if this program is still around, but I went to Mesa camp, which is Math Engineering Science Achievement. Yes. (laughs) And at the time that I did that, um, the T183 calculator had just come out. (laughs) So no joke, this guy in a suit comes into this classroom. It was hosted um, at a university. Comes in, there was this like hard shell case, opens (laughs) it up, and in styrofoam, like packed in there are all of these like 12 T183 calculators. Nice. And we were like the first kids to play. Hey, (laughs) that was, I still own a TI-83. Awesome. So... Oh, man, that dates me. Right. Hey, <laughs> the, sa- the same, the same <laughs> So, so it, it was, you know, that same type of thing where it was like getting kids involved, like getting yes. children, you know, young people, whatever age your, you know, child is, is so important. So important. I think it was fun. Yesterday when we opened and the line was out there, you, you heard little kids, I want to do all the science! And they were just like so excited about, you know, when is it going to open? Um, and so it was just, you know, running around and, and, and just wanting to get all the activities in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of folks in the zone, you know, teach at the college level, mm-hmm. professors like myself. Um, and let's just say that maybe the, I want to do all the science, <laughs> has perhaps diminished a little bit by the time mm. they get into college. <laughs> right. Sometimes we still run into those students that are, are very much that way. Mm-hmm. Um so it's really fun to see that just pure, unbridled, Passion. someone running towards you Yeah, uh, to do all the science is really <laughs> all fun. All of it. <laughs> all of it. Just all of it at once. Uh, <laughs> so that is really, really fun. So with, when, back to your quote of people need to see themselves in their dreams. What was that person for you? Like what was that, that person you saw either in the chemistry field or as a woman? Like what was it? Who was that person for you? Well, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't, you know, there's a there's a great movie coming out based on a great book called Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was growing up, they were very hidden. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the famous scientists that people always name, I was like, eh, that's not really <laughs> interesting to me. Right. Um, so for me, all of my heroes were fake. And I mean by that, they were fiction, right? So okay. Uhura and Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, Sam and, and Quincy M.D., um, these characters that you're like, oh, these people are really cool and they look like me. And and then, you know, then you get – it wasn't really until I got into college that you started reading different materials, materials that, that just you had more access to or, or interacting with different people that you mm-hmm. learned about all of these other individuals – uh, like Alice Ball, who was a chemist that really made a significant tr- contribution to the treatment of leprosy, hmm. um, black female chemist that you just never hear about, right? Right. Um, and then also, you know, like Katherine Johnson, the other ladies in, in, in figures that you're like, oh, sorry, what? You you basically 
got us to the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never hear about <laughs> and, you. And we never hear about you. And yeah. so that kind of thing, that's changing. But, you know, it, it, it being that, that's a different, in, in my time, it was like there wasn't anybody that I knew of. And that doesn't mean that they weren't there. Right. They were hidden. <laughs> they were hidden. And they, they weren't, their work was, you had to, it wasn't until I got to, again, to college and grad school that you're finding out about these folks um, that you're like, really? Wow. I didn't know until <laughs> I was in graduate school that the first American woman, Rachel Lloyd, to get a PhD in chemistry went, that actually was a professor at my alma mater. Really? I did not know that until I was there. Like that was the, and, and the second woman in the world to get a well, PhD in chemistry in the world. And she was, and, and she got tenured within like three years at my alma mater. Which in academia is, is unheard crazy, of. <laughs> right. And so, and, and why hadn't I heard of her until I was there? And I only heard about her when I was there is because one of the professors was really passionate about getting her name out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so actually she's now been a, declared a, a, like a landmark, the chemical heritage foundation. Sheesh. So, these are the kind of things that you're like, why didn't I know that, mm-hmm. you know, back what when I was What time period seven. Was, was she? Like, when, when was that? We're talking, like, late 1800s. Wow. Right? Like, so when you think about that kind of thing, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. So it's just a big, a big change. Okay. That, uh, and so now it's, it's different, you know, I hope. But still, people still, it's like the visibility, the people that are centered and put first – um, are still not what they should be, mm-hmm. um, or what they so, what they need to be to give those to, to give those people, you know, those children, those people, a chance. Yeah, to, you know, to see somebody. It's like, hey, that person kind of looks like me and in I, whatever yeah. way that could be. It could be hair. It could, could be, be the way they dress. Could be right. skin color. Whatever it is, and it could be the fact that they're not in a suit. You know, yep. most scientists I know are are adverse. To wearing, <laughs> if anything, they're adverse to wearing formal dress wear. Right. Um, and so really the what I'm wearing now is to, a nerd shirt, as we call it. <laughs> a nerd shirt and jeans is, mm-hmm. is pretty much what we wear all the time. Pretty to faculty the, the, meetings, to research meetings, to whatever. The 2016 uh, uniform yes, of chemists. <laughs> is is jeans and a, and a nerd shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, too, is what you think they dress like, what they look like, what their hobbies are. All these types of things. I mean, that's another reason why having people in the zone that are, you know, working scientists in these fields and doing these things that people can see that they're, oh, this is how much of a dork you people are. No, Um, (laughs) you know, or these are the the things that you're into and that, you know, we have a lot in common. You're not you're not doing science 24 hours a day. Right. It is a thing you do Mm -hmm. and it's a thing that you love, but you have hobbies and you have family and you have friends and you have all these other things going on. Um, And so I think that's important to see because I think sometimes the perception still that lingers is that science is done like a lone wolf activity. Right. And it's, you know, old white men with crazy hair. And what it really (laughs) is is, you know, younger women with crazy hair like myself. Right. And so <laughs> uh, so it's it's a bit different, but I think that's the thing is that if you don't see that, mm-hmm. then that's not the perception you have. You have the perception of, you know, the Big Bang Theory. Right. Which, you know, for some people, they identify that. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, they don't. And so need to, a full range, I think, of options is always nice. So I hope people get that at the zone, that you can be, the Sheldons of the world, mm-hmm. or, you know, you can be, you know, somebody that maybe is a little bit cooler, 
<laughs> Dare I say? Right. Uh, so you can be the, the this generation's Dr. Mae Jameson. Yes, who absolutely. Is, you know, a huge hero of mine, you know, being a geek growing up and hearing about her in textbooks. You know, being yes. the first African-American woman in space and then seeing her on Star, Star Trek, Trek. Which was crazy. <laughs> like, I remember watching that and then, it, like, these two worlds were colliding. If you remember, were you reading Rainbow Kid? Oh, yeah. Do you remember the crossover they did with Star Trek and reading Rainbow? Too much. Like, it was just like... like all the things. It was amazing. So, those worlds colliding. Yes. It was awesome. And then, you know, she's also a medical doctor, mm-hmm. but she got an engineering degree. Like, she's one of these people that you're like, you're, I'm exhausted just listening <laughs> to what you've been able to accomplish. Yeah. Um, and so, our new, she, our new avatar is, is actually a, a new avatar for the zone. Um, and so her name is Dr. May in honor of, of awesome. Dr. May Jemson. And that so, is the one on your button right now? And that is the one awesome. on the button, and that's our new life-size avatar. Mm-hmm. And so we're very, very excited um, because, again, you want to, these extraordinary people that look like and, and were ordinary people that do extraordinary things. People need to see those folks. Yeah, totally agree. Well, thank you so much, thank Dr. You. Burks, uh, thank for you. making the time. This this doctor that I'm sitting across from has been incredibly busy <laughs> the past couple days, so I'm very appreciative that you, that you carved out some time Thank you. Uh, to talk about these really important issues. I mean, getting kids involved. You know, it's getting, always fun. Yeah. You never know who's going to be the next May Jameson. Absolutely. So. Well, thank you. And where can people find you online so they can follow kind of your work or where you go? So on Twitter, I'm uh, Dr. Rubidium, like the element Number mm-hmm. 37. Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> and it helps because the first thing chemists always do is look for your initials on the periodic table. What? RB. Really? RB is rubidium. Wow. All right. So if you find your initials on the table, you're like, well, I'm set for life. Right. And so that's my Twitter handle. Dr. That's rubidium. my Instagram. That's my periscope. So Dr. Rubidium. Fantastic. Well, again, I've been sitting with Dr. Rachel Burks. Uh, thank you again. Thank you. All right. So we are now back in the green room, back in the press room, after going to some panels, after I sat down with some people for some interviews, which were awesome. So now Tim and I are just kind of decompressing uh, after an awesome Geek Girl Con. So Tim, first impression since you had never been to this con before. You know, the first one of my first impressions, and we talked about this as soon as we walked in the door, that this... This con, above others, is very, very kid-friendly. Mm-hmm. Like, there were kids. Like, even when I was, I was, as I was waiting for you outside, there were a ton, like, truckloads of kids just coming in. <laughs> right. Little girls with their dads and with yeah. their moms, which, you know, I see some of that at Emerald City Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so packed and it's so much going on. Yeah. That maybe it's not the best place. But this is a little more spacious. It seems a lot more... Uh, kid friendly. I feel like it's mm-hmm. something that they're purposely doing. Because even downstairs, the the do it DIY science. Yeah, I went there. I was like, oh, I gotta tell my friends' kids about. It. They should take their kids to this because it was just little kids doing a science project and mm-hmm. mostly little girls. Yeah, which is really cool to see. That was my first impression. And that it's it's spacious. It's not as packed. Yeah, <clears throat> it has a lot of what you see at other cons, but just there's not a ton of it. But there's mm-hmm. still great stuff there. Yeah, and there is still so much. And so, yeah, I mean, when I, was, when I was talking to Christine, the deputy director, she was saying that over the weekend, 10,000 attendees yeah. have been here. Yeah. But unlike other cons that Tim and I have both been to, this does not, this does not feel like it. No. Like, this is packed, but you can still walk around. Mm. You can still enjoy it without 
things being crazy. Like right. that was the thing with PAX. PAX is four days, yeah. and it was just madness. 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 So this, even as packed as it was, it was, it was really, really well-staffed, well-organized. So, and yeah, having the DIY science zone right when you walk in, yeah. and you see kids engaged in the sciences. Right. Women and girls engaged in the sciences was phenomenal. Yeah. And also, you know, you, I don't know if you walked around, you saw like UW's here. And yeah. Like universities, and I was just looking, I was, uh, the feminist frequency, is what it's called, yes, feminist frequency, mm-hmm. um, who advocate for, for, I want to make sure, I don't want to mis- <laughs> say the wrong thing. Right. Feminist frequency advocates for an inclusive and representative media landscape and the eradication of online harassment. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, post-Gamergate, we saw a lot yeah. of it. I mean, we've known it, but Gamergate was kind of the thing that put everyone on blast. But if you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, you see it. All the time. Um, even if you don't, even if the, that sort of harassment isn't coming towards me, I see it constantly. Mm-hmm. So it's good that there's programs here like that, that if you're, if you're a geek and you're a girl that you can go to and, and get more information, find help, get some support. So it was great. So there's stuff like that. And there's artists here. There's tons of art, tons of artwork. Yeah. I mean, th- there were... So many artists. And I think another thing that is special about a con like this mm-hmm. is how many female artists there were, mm-hmm. how many women of color, how many people of color mm-hmm. in general were represented right. was fantastic. And seeing the different styles of artwork, a lot of them are doing the same shows, right. a lot of the same material, yeah. a ton of Steven Universe stuff, which right. ton I really need to get into, yeah. apparently. <laughs> like, this con has served as a reminder Steven Universe is the thing that's been throughout the con. Panels, costumes, cosplays, Mm -hmm. artwork. It's 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 very Steven Universe friendly. If that's if that's your thing, you should probably be a geek girl con. Yeah. And it just I had been hearing about this show for a long time, but yeah, now now I gotta see it. Yeah. I I also love going past the gaming section and seeing these little Mm -hmm. girls game. Yeah. Like just into it on these screens. Smashing buttons, you know, it's, it's cool to see you forget. Like, my sister, my twin sister, she played video games with us, yeah, right. Which we, when we speak about video games and the video game audience, we don't automatically think of young girls, mm-hmm. but they're a big part of it. Like, my Absolutely. twin's daughter sat me down and told me all about Minecraft. She grilled me for 30 minutes, like, <laughs> oh, you don't know about Minecraft, and just you're like, so old. I know, she, <laughs> right. she looked disgusted, and she, well, she told me about it, but it, it's a reminder that. You know, young girls can be, or not can be, are into the same thing that mm-hmm. the young boys are into. We just don't market towards them, and we don't yep. think about them as the demographic that we should sort of market. But they're they're part of it. And by fostering it at young ages, yeah. like Geek Girl Con really does, that is how you end up with, you know, women writers and yeah. screenwriters and voiceover artists. Exactly. And all of this, like, it has to be fostered. Cre- creators. Like- creators, yeah. Like, what's stopping you from being a game creator other than mm-hmm. doing it? You know what I mean? So it's good to see young girls heavily involved in it, loving it as much as I did when I was a kid. Yeah. The girls were better than me. I was like, I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> Get out there and embarrass myself. Right. Awesome. So I went to a panel on Saturday night, which was the first night. And it was part of, it is a new thing this year, Geek Girl Con, which is uh, the Geek Girl Con After Hours. Uh-huh. So it was 18 and over. Oh. Uh, so it was a panel. Sounds uh, lit. It was a panel called Science After Dark. And this is how it was described in the booklet. Uh, let's talk about sex, sexuality, and sexual health. Science style. Uh, <laughs> nothing is taboo. We'll talk openly and factually. 
uh, before GeekGirlCon 16, attendees submitted anonymous questions. Um, and so, yeah, they had a panelist of four women up there. Uh, Alina Gabash, hopefully I pronounced that right, uh, who is an educator and activist, a biology teacher, a holistic physician, Dr. Serena McKenzie, reproductive justice advocate, full-spectrum doula, uh, Tequila oh, Rivera, and a chemist, Dr. Rachel Burks. So that was a really fascinating panel because you have this panel you know, of women who are ranging from a chemist to a sex therapist to psychologists, like mm-hmm. just talking openly about sex, which is a really taboo subject, especially in the geek world. Mm-hmm. And they addressed that. And they talked about how for a long time, and Tim, you kind of talked about earlier, when people think of a geek, when they think of a gamer, yeah. they think of a scrawny guy mm-hmm. in his basement. Drinking Mountain Dew. Right. And that is not necessarily true anymore. No, no. You and know, here's, the, here's the thing. It's never really been true. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just that, like that one person just, just stuck to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've been a geek my whole life. I'm nothing like that. But right. I've, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I marathoned Doctor Who one day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, th- these are things that I've done. I've, you know, I come to these cons. I, <clears throat> one of my friends is a super nerd. He's a food scientist. Awesome. <laughs> my other friend teaches chemistry he's a, he, at UW. He's a chemistry. He's a, he, yeah, he works in a structural center doing that. And uh, that's, but that's his thing. Mm-hmm. I go up there and I look at the chemistry formulas on the wall. It might as well be in Russian. I don't know yeah, what it's no. about, right? That's, <laughs> but that's a dude who's a geek, but he's still, you know, yep. but he also still enjoys football and, you know, loves time period. Like, listen, he's the friend, like, anything that takes place in any sort of time period, I don't care if it's the Westerns, mm-hmm. he's in on it. I didn't have to tell him about Westworld. Hmm. I know he's in on Westworld. Right. That's, but he's that friend, right? But, you know, like we were talking about earlier when we were eating, like, there's a spectrum for all these things. Mm-hmm. And so the spectrum for being a geek has always been varied, but we assign it to this certain demographic, right? But yeah. that allows us to place people in that whatever little position allows mm-hmm. us to try to identify them, which is dumb, but yeah. right to identify who we think is a geek, um, t- whether it's for harassment or whether it's to join into a group, right? We, we start identifying but the truth is it's always been women. It's always been people of color. It's always been, uh, people of all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what irks me now is like the, 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 the cute girl who throws on glasses and says she's a nerd. I'm not trying to check anyone's nerd. But like, right. but that, it's a cool thing to be a nerd now. Yeah. It's, it's hip because I, and I think, because of the popularity of conventions, because of the yeah. popularity of geekdom in general, all of the geeks are now like, this has been my life. Right. This has been me the whole time. Mm-hmm. And if people want to join in on that, whatever level, right. cool. No problem. You know, but at the same time, the things that that person might have gone through and their struggles growing up in it right. might be a little bit different. Right. Like, th- think so. about somebody like, like our friend Jessica, right? You will look at her and say, she's not a geek. You wouldn't look at her and think she read comics. You wouldn't look at her and think. But the first time we met, we talked about Doctor Who and our favorite Doctor Who episodes. Mm-hmm. And she still one of the funniest things ever. She complained about how much she hated Prometheus. I could oh, see the yeah. fire in her eyeballs. <laughs> I was like, you hate this movie. <laughs> right. But right, but that's someone. But, you know, if you've ever listened to her show, like she's grown up reading comics, right? Mm-hmm. But, so we can't assign what we think we know about yep. who geeks are to what we think they should look like or how they should talk. Like the stereotype yep. of some super nerdy black person being, oh, I'm a blurred and I just don't fit in. Like, no. My uncle is cool. He's <laughs> always been cool as hell. My dad is the coolest person I know. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who introduced me to sci-fi. Yeah. But dad is also a ladies man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But love, like the first time I remember when the sci-fi channel started, we watched 
these movies on sci-fi for like six hours straight. Jeez. <laughs> but that's my dad. But that's him. Yeah. He's the same guy that goes out and plays the Kungas at Latin clubs. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's, it's – I, I love, you know, and, and Geek Girl Con's reminder that it does look different. Yes. And it can be different. Yep. And it's all part of the same family. It's just a different branch of that family. Yeah. And so what was interesting, like tying back to the panel, being that it was the after hours, right. is like we have mentioned, this is incredibly family friendly, this whole convention. And so it was interesting to go then to a panel that was after hours, 18 and over for this uh, certain panel. And that was really nice because then, you know, it is that reminder of, you know, yes, there are, there can be kids here during the day, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And with their families, right. Geeks can also have real conversations about those things that you normally talk about behind closed doors. Right. It is not always about exactly. Firefly versus Star Trek. Right. You know? Right. It can be about real things that we are dealing with yeah. as people. Right. And that's the, thing, the other thing that rubbed off on me was, like, it feels like a safe space. Yes. Now, I'm not a woman, so I don't know if it, how safe it actually is. Mm-hmm. But as a man sitting in these panels, it felt like a safe space. Yeah. It felt like a very safe space. I think finding a safe space... Especially if you're a geek or a woman or, you know, mm-hmm. person of color, all three. Like, finding a safe space can be very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm happy for these young women who are coming here and find a safe space. To find mm-hmm. people, like people, like-minded people, people who love the same things they do. And be able to celebrate them together. Like, that's beautiful. That's the one thing I love about, you know, being in the movies. Like, that's mm-hmm. how we first started our friendship was, like, just yep. sharing our love of something that we both enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's beautiful that people can come here for a few days on the weekend and, and have that, even if it's once a year. Even yeah, and people like I heard from Christine, like people travel to this con yeah. specifically because it is a safe space. Yeah, because it is something where no matter what gender pronoun you prefer, mm-hmm. this is safe. Yeah, you are okay here. Yeah, and no one is. And like that is the beauty of these cons, and yeah. I think again it makes a difference of which con you go to. Not to shade any of the other ones. Yeah. But this is so much different. It feels different. It looks different. Yeah. It acts different. And it makes it special. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. so that was the first panel uh, that I went to. That was the Science After Dark on Saturday night. Uh, Tim, how about you talk about the panel that we went to together on Sunday? Uh, we went to well, – I don't want to miss the name of the panel. What was oh. It was uh, – Man. And here I thought I know, you, you would be ready. extra prepared, man. I'm not, <laughs> I didn't know I was intro on the panel. Um, yeah. Okay, it was... I was going to say, I've heard that voice before, but that I know that's a tank. Oh, I yeah. Hey, up. I know that voice. Hey, I, know, I was close. You hey, were. I know that voice. And it had a bunch of uh, different people who do voiceover work. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to butcher anybody's name. So let me look that up. As hey. he flips through. Yeah, as I'm, I flip through. <laughs> as he frantically tries to find yeah, which one it was. Yeah. So it was, on, it was on Sunday. It was on Sunday. Uh-huh. I don't see it. Why don't I see it on here? I thought there, for... Well, there it is. Okay. Um, does it have everyone's name on there? Okay, um, that is all right. It's all right, but that we can. I will. I will find out who it is. We'll find out who it is. Tag we'll, them on the blog post. So yeah, look in the we'll, show we'll notes for, for no, all of those. Jennifer Paz was in there. Who does a voice on a Steven Universe? Mm-hmm. She talked about you know, starting with um, Miss Saigon here in Seattle and traveling yeah. the world, and how that opened up opportunities to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley Birch, um, she was in there as well, talking about uh, sort of her. She didn't speak as much as everyone else, but mm-hmm. she talked about sort of um, finding her voice and, and being okay with hearing her voice, which I thought something that's something we've talked about. We really, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is really funny because that's that's something I still struggle with. Mm-hmm. Is you know, 
I hate hearing my voice. I do. <laughs> Even as I'm speaking now, I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta hear my voice. But, you know, but being comfortable in it. Yeah. Um, and, and becoming and realizing it is your voice. Like, yeah. just kind of, she said something during the panel, Ashley Burke. I know, I know you wrote it down. Um, I saw you scribbling. Yeah. Yeah, just basically just getting comfortable with your own voice. Right. Because if you want to be heard, mm-hmm. you have to recognize that. You right. have to be comfortable in what you are saying and how you are saying it so you can be heard. And, you know, it, it, it sounds easy, but when you actually think about it, it's not as easy as it is. As it mm-hmm. looks. It's, it's pretty difficult. But um, I love that, you know, a lot of questions people have were like, how do you break into the industry? Yeah. And they're like, there's really no way. Nope. It, it reminded me of our conversations about podcasting. Like, mm-hmm. it's something you just got to do. Yeah. And you just got to keep doing it. And also the idea, um, I think it was Jennifer said this, that, um, you know, there's so many outlets to get your voice out there. So just do it. Like, yep. And I don't care if you want to. Like, when I started my movie blogging, I just started doing it. I don't have some funny story. I don't have, right. a, cool, I don't have a cool origin story. I just mm-hmm. was like, ah, this is something I want to do. And I just did it. And yep. then because I was doing it and I was consistent, like, these opportunities just started, like, springing up out of nowhere. Yep. Um, and what she said, I mean, yeah. Not out of nowhere. I mean, it comes from just loving it and the craft and doing it. You put in it work. And putting in the work. Yeah. Um, she talked about that. Like, if you if you want to do voiceover work, like start recording yourself. Start doing doing mm-hmm. the little web series. Like, it's there. Yep. Like, this wasn't available 15 years ago, right? But the, now the it's ease available. of access. And so, one of the things that Jennifer Paz said, uh, who we were talking about, who was on uh, Steven Universe, mm-hmm. uh, she said, "Don't wait for permission. Yeah, create your own opportunities." Right. So, the thing is, if you're constantly waiting. You know, and looking at these things, being like, right. you know, I'm putting out things, but no one is really calling. No one is doing this. I understand that. I absolutely do. But being a creator, part of it is just like not being afraid and just being like, okay, yeah. if I want to do this, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And yeah. so her story, it just, again, it transcends just voice work. Right. It transcends into so many different industries and especially for women. Yeah, exactly. Just being like, okay, I just need to do this. Yeah. I'm just going to go through this and, and just hope it works and i'm gonna work my butt off right. until i get there and you know and not you know we were going back to what we were talking about at lunch that's exactly what happened with nate parker i mean uh, controversy aside mm-hmm. this is someone who left acting for a couple of years had raised money and made the project he wanted to make mm-hmm. like that's crazy yeah to make a product that people are consuming that that sold at sundance that got released into thousands of theaters that he did on his own like that's not easy to do mm-hmm. um and, and it takes determination <laughs> and passion. And being able to, like, I'm sure he got a lot of no's. Mm-hmm. Like, and hearing a no shouldn't stop you. And I th- I'm not sure which one of the panelists said this, but, like, yeah, I got a lot of no's, but that didn't stop you from, like, yep. all the yeses are fun, but there are plenty of times I auditioned and they were like, yeah, you're not you. Mm-hmm. There's been plenty of times. And, you, and, and you'll go through it. I've gone through it, right? Plenty of interviews and opportunities that spring up and then just, they just evaporate as quickly as they came. Right. But you can't let that stop you from moving forward. And if you're, if you're a woman and you've got a story you want to tell and you want to create it, like, go out and create it. Mm-hmm. Do a web show. Do it. Do a, web show, do a podcast. Do, I, and you're right not, now. You're not going to start off as, like, Martin Scorsese. Like, but, right. but like, you know, <laughs> get that time in. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Malcolm Gladwell and he, you know, whether or not people believe in his 10,000 hour rule. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you put in work on something and you get better at it is 100 percent true. Yeah. And looking at looking at out into the room, which we can from where we are, seeing the cosplayers and knowing that so many of them 
every stitch yeah. on that costume they did. They did, yeah. It's incredible because, again, sometimes it might be they looked it up online mm-hmm. and they're like, wow, this is great. Man, I cannot afford that. Right. Or they looked and they were like, okay, I want this to reflect me. Right. I want this to be a personal version of the Stormtrooper. Yeah. And like, so they that did really it. cool Winter Soldier walking around here. Seriously. That metal arm looks legit. <laughs> like, so incredible. And so yeah. the same type of thing. Like, just get out there. Just, just get the, out there. I've listened to uh, part of an interview because we were in the same room. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about she wanted to do it. She kept seeing all these great costumes. So she took a sewing class. Yeah. She went to the, I think it was the library. <laughs> and was just like, what, what kind of community can I find that would help me get to where I want mm-hmm. to go? Yeah. That the lady whose booth we're at who had those, those cool helmets was saying yeah. like, her husband like needed, they were LARPing. He needed armor. So she started <laughs> making it. Mm-hmm. And this is spawned into a business she has now where she makes stuff and sells it to movies to use. Like, yeah. It came from a hobby. Like all of a sudden now she's making armor that's in movies. That's in Lord of the Rings. Like that's crazy. Yeah. That, from, <laughs> from like a hobby. I'm like, oh yeah, my husband needs armor, so let me make him some to now you're doing this. Because mm-hmm. especially with stuff like that, like yeah. that stuff can get expensive. Expensive. <laughs> right. And it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. But she clearly knew what she was doing. Like, I mean, she broke down how many pieces it was, why it was more mm-hmm. lightweight than it looked, and where the protection's at, and how to protect yourself wearing it. Yeah. It was it was very very impressive, yeah. Yeah, but the panel you know back to the panel it mm-hmm. was it was really good to see not just the women up there talking about it, but the way the people responded, yes, which I did not expect, like a mm. lot of the people in the crowd were really moved, knew who these women were, yeah, um, loved what they did, loved their work, really wanted to connect, um, some of them, I think you would have left at this point, but some of them you know, want to get into gaming and voice mm, and voice of mm-hmm. work and directing. And so they were like, how do I, you know, I'm in high school, what classes should I take? And just all that. They just really wanted to know because, you know, it's it's a legit market now. So yeah. that's a legitimate job. Mm-hmm. It's not nothing to laugh at, doing voiceover work. If that's what you, that's how you get paid, like get paid. But, you know, if you don't know how to how to start, you know, like, like you said earlier, just get used to hearing your voice, record yourself, talk. Yeah. You're and you're gonna it, hate it. Yeah, I was like, it will get real annoying you're real hate quick. It. But you get used to like, okay, this is what my voice sounds like. How do I how do I get to the next level? How do I yeah. find a good take? And I forget, um I forget which one of of the women it was who is doing a voice in a video game coming up where she is a huge Viking warrior. Yeah. Yeah. And she talked about how refreshing it was yeah. to have a director, the the voice director, you know, who did not want to be like, ah, yeah. girly sounds. Like she was like, Ugh, yeah. you know, getting like stabbed with a sword. So right. she said how refreshing that was. And that was awesome. Yeah. So that, that was just, it was really cool to hear because again, we already have these, these misconceptions mm-hmm. of, you know, what happens, you know, kind of behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. And so it was really cool to like, then hear, hear right. these people talk about mm-hmm. their stories. Right. So, yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, what, are, what were some of the highlights as far as, like, I know you got to play a couple video games, or at least <laughs> one video game, which she lasted about two minutes on. Yeah, I kept blowing up. Uh, one of the highlights <laughs> is uh, we went to the Censorship of Women in Comics Ooh, awesome. Panel, which I didn't know what to expect. But, you know, one of the themes were overseas, a lot of women are getting locked up for comics that they find offensive or deem offensive. Really? Imprisoned. Wait, for comics they're creating? Yeah. Or wow. art they're doing. And it's uh, the comic book Legal Defense Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, the director, Betsy Gomez, was there, and she was just talking. She went through a list. I won't name every person, but she went through a list of, of 
Some women are overseas. They're just been jailed, harassed. Jeez. Uh, yeah. But so what happens here in the States is they try to get these books pulled out of schools. It was little places like little towns in Texas and like Michigan. Who this find, is my shocked face right yeah, now. But it was mostly books of women, mm-hmm. the written, written or involved women characters and, or LBGTQ characters that they didn't want. Hmm. On the shelf, so they would do all these things to try to nitpick and get them off the shelf. Wow. It's weird. It sounds like flash dance, or or you know what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it dancing? It, I meant, I meant Footloose. Yeah, it sounds like Footloose. Uh, like, you, go. you got the whole town trying to stop something because it's it's the demon to be demeaning instead of like an opportunity to teach and and, and for kids to learn yep. and books that are for them. I mean, do we want our young people struggling reading? If they want to mm-hmm. read a book. This about some girl finding out her dad is gay. Then let him read the book. Yeah, and I mean there needs to be. You think the book magically turns the kid gay? Like he gets to a certain page sixty eight, and he's just like, oh no! For, for like, a lot of people, I mean that has always been the case with yeah. with censorship in literature, right? All forms of literature, and people are like, nope, this offends me. Music too. What we, could it do to our children? Yeah, music. We 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 grew up in an era where they were banning records. Mm-hmm. You know, we came out of an era in Thanks, the 60s. Thanks, Nancy Reagan. Yeah, right. <laughs> we came out of an era in the 60s where they were, you know, don't play Negro records. They're going to drive your kids crazy. And we just had Donald Trump use a not-so-nice term. And then we got people saying it's because of hip-hop music in 2016. That's the right. defense. Trump wouldn't talk like this if hip-hop is in our culture. And look what people are doing now. All that, mm-hmm. all that hip-hop music driving Trump to, to be <laughs> vile. Right. Because that's what he's got in his playlist. People always want to make those connections, you know, with... With the Matrix, right. when it was all like trench coat mafia thing. Yeah, I remember that. Um, God, I totally forgot about that. And so with, and all of that ties back into censorship. All of that yeah. ties back into something that offends someone, and that someone is in a position of power. Yeah. Then dictates what is consumable by the rest of us, and that can be really damaging. Yeah, especially were- in countries that it sounds like. Yeah. Those are the ones that need help the most right they need to find those positive images those positive right. messages right. and it is being taken away right. like betsy gomez was talking about like how japan just their porn thing is just rife with porn right mm-hmm. they're crazy they have a crazy porn scene in japan but yet <laughs> they will find this woman offensive for talking about her what? vagina right that uh, that happens that happened like japan sheesh these people you know who sell whatever like mm-hmm. that's the problem they have but that's it's it's because it's something they don't agree with, right? Right. So it's it's a problem. But it, it was fascinating. It reminded me of being in Vietnam and how censored Vietnam was. Mm-hmm. Like going to Twitter and Twitter not like Twitter didn't exist when I was in Ho Chi Minh. It was no Twitter. Instagram. Keep in mind when he says being in Vietnam, he does not mean being in the Vietnam War. No, no, yeah, uh, not that old. He is not Vietnam, that. Old. I, I was in the country of Vietnam, <laughs> right. uh, and then uh, you know Instagram had a seven minute delay. Like that's censorship. So when I hear people here complaining about wow. censorship, I'm like, man, y'all don't know what censorship is. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't know what it is. You'll know what it is when it hits you, but that's not it. Like a, a company firing you because of your tweets isn't censorship. That's a company saying we don't like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a the, tweet possibly not making it online. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is censorship. Yeah, Twitter blocking your tweet Oof. is the problem. Or the, yeah, the country in which you are sending yeah. that tweet from. Yeah. Wow. But you know, it's we, we've seen what social media can do, and she was saying for for a lot of artists. The only way to get their message out, their artwork out, is social media. So it yeah. is Facebook, it is Twitter, because they don't have another medium. Mm-hmm. Um, or especially like Tumblr, uh, yeah. DeviantArt. You know, a lot yeah. of these places where it is not like <laughs> it used to be, where 
you need to have a web designer. You need right. to do this and that. Like, there are now places where you can just, if you are an artist, yeah. go on Tumblr, go on DeviantArt. They will, I mean, you can just, it is an easy, easy process. Oh, simple. Just get it I mean, out probably there. Probably not simple, but there, there's, there, is now, there are now platforms for yes. you. Whatever, whatever it is. If you've got mm-hmm. a podcast, if you've got a blog, if you've got artwork, if you've got music, you can get it out there. Um, so it's making, it make, it's making it harder for them to, to censor it. Uh, but it's making because you have these platforms, you're more of a visible target. Yeah. So people control you. People can attack you. The government can like know where to go to shut you down, mm-hmm. uh, and that can be a problem. But you know, from what she showed in the, in the slides, most of these women are fine. They're okay. They've you know some yeah. have done jail time, some haven't. Uh, most of them are all right. But the, you know, it's a fight every year. They're fighting. They're getting a list of books to get banned, and Sheesh. they got to go fight that fight and write letters and, and, and encourage people and talk to schools because some of the sort of the tomfoolery that goes on. There. Mm-hmm. And you can I know that because I mean I have heard of the comic book or comic legal defense fund for yeah. a long time. Uh, donate, you know, yeah. if you, if you can, donate. if you can give them a couple dollars, donate. It is yeah. totally worthwhile, not just for the other work they do, but especially like something like. This, which I saw this on the on the list of panels, mm-hmm. sounded really interesting. I'm glad that you were able to go and yeah. and see it. And it definitely is something that I'm going to look into more. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, people people need help. Yeah, they they need a voice to be heard. And so I'm glad that that panel happened. I'm glad you're able to go yeah. see it. It's still crazy how, how things centered around women really bothers people. It's still crazy to me, maybe because <laughs> right. I grew up with a twin sister and, you know, I've got two very lovely mother figures in my life and a lot mm-hmm. of female friends. And that the, maybe that's why I don't it doesn't strike me as odd. But for a large section of people, it's bothersome to see women either in positions of power or in positions of of understanding their sexuality or owning it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. But I, and I know that's one thing about the the. Um, the voiceover panel. It was great to see all these strong women mm-hmm. up there, sort of holding their own and running that panel. It was well, great, especially with I mean, with the science after dark panel. Yeah, like these are scientists. Right. These are women in the medical field, right. uh, talking very openly, very candidly about what they do. Right. There were a lot of questions about new IUDs and oh, man. better birth control, topic. and so she talked about how she inserts those yeah. and talked about the whole process. So for me, I was just like, whoa. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, Some, there's is, someone in the audience who needed to hear exactly, that. Exactly. It is very, very important that those conversations are being had. And again, I will say it, a safe space yeah. in an open and safe space. And in this crowd, there were people of, of all genders, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they're choosing, you know, to be. And they, but they wanted to be part of the conversation. They wanted right. to be, you know, there and listen to that and hugely important. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, trying to think like other, other thoughts that I had. I mean, it was great to see some indie games here. Yeah. Uh, some of the guys that I saw, the men and women from Seattle Indie Expo, mm-hmm. they're here as well. So it was cool. And again, when I saw their game at six, uh, it was all adults playing these games. Yeah. And to come here and see people of all ages mm-hmm. sitting down and playing these games. Was the game I died in multiple times? Yep, that was yeah. it. Wow. Uh, multiple times in three, me- three uh, minutes. That was Star Mazer DSP. <laughs> I, I didn't know why I kept blowing up. Uh, because you kept hitting things. Oh, whatever. <laughs> the glitch. It's still working out. Oh, the glitch right, right. Um, so yeah, seeing people just 
play video games yeah. together. Families sitting yeah. down. And not even just families, but there was a cooking game yeah. called Overcooked that I actually sat down and, and played one of the nights. And I sat down with like three other people, three strangers. Video games brought us together. Right. Being in a space like this, being in a community like yeah. this brought us together. And it was like, it was like, hey, this is the game we were playing. You want to jump yeah. in? This sure. lady had like an old Genesis, she had like old Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And like looking at those Genesis games just brought me back. <laughs> Like I remember, yeah, I remember playing like Altered Beast. Like I remember, oh wow, remember that? yeah, ah, yeah, Killer I remember Instinct. Those, yeah. Oh, yeah, all they had a bunch of old games there. Arch Rivals. Mm-hmm. It's like my nephew would cry if he had to play those games. Oh yeah, he, he's ten. He would be like, "What is this?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, it's double. It's double dribble or whatever." You got to shoot. He'd be like, "No, Mm-mm. no, get me out of here." He used to two K. That's where he. That's his game. That, that was his beginning. Oh yeah, his beginning Man. was on the two K. They do not know. No. Yeah, but it was cool. I thought about, like, man, it would be really cool just to have a Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Even if it was in standard definition. Just to right. play, like, that old Avengers game. Yeah. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Streets of Rage 2. <laughs> it was all right. I yeah. mean, but it was fun. Yeah. It was funny. The other day you I was... played Jurassic Park? The arcade game. I remember playing the arcade I version, the not Genesis the... One. I could never beat it. Like, you get to the wow. end, and there's a, you're supposed to, like, it's like a T-Rex Skeleton mm-hmm. and you have to come down and like they try to T Rex tries to get you. Oh, I think I played the one in the yeah. arcade. I never played it at home. Yeah. But I was talking to someone the other day about video games and and they're talking about the new Doom coming yeah. out. The first time I played Doom and this ages ages me. First time I played Doom was on the Atari Jaguar. Oh wow, the Jaguar, the Jaguar, which is a little known <laughs> system. But that was the first, and yeah. then I played it on the PC. The PC, I remember you know, later on the PC. I don't know who had Doom. I remember just like shooting people. Doom was terrifying. There was a Doom. There was a Doom like game they had for Genesis. Mm-hmm. Wolfenstein. It was something like a space game, but oh. I just remember like these little alien pods, kind of like all that. aliens. Hmm. I would throw bombs in rooms and blow them up. I, mean, I forgot. The name. <laughs> I just look up the game, but right. it, it was just fun, yeah. mindless fun for hours. Mm-hmm. Which again, a good game should be able yeah. to do. Yeah. And the great thing about the games here is that. All of them are family friendly. Yeah. And that is one of the things, like with Emerald City Comic Con, mm-hmm. with PAX and everything, those cons are great. But when you think about, like, bring kids, when you think about bringing a family and being like, cool, you might see a game that is pretty violent. Right. This one, none of the games are. Like, this this the, podcast is family friendly. This podcast, yeah, for the most part, I, I like to keep it PG 13. All right. And so, yeah, it, just, it is nice to see that. Yeah. It, no, it's, it's it's good. You forget. I forget. Like my nephew's ten. He can't. Mm-hmm. He can't be into everything I'm into. Right. He still can't see Deadpool. He's mad. Dude, about it. new. Still new. mad. Still mad. It's been months. He's still ten years old. Man. He. I was not ready. I at think, ten I, years old. I think. <laughs> if I'm honest, I think he kind of knew. Mm. My sister over her head. So the weekend it opened. I don't even know if I told you this, but the weekend mm. it opens. She calls me. She's like, hey, we're going to the movies. I think we're going to see Deadpool. I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> new news. She was like, what? I said, man, it's got... I just sort of ran down the first right. two minutes. She was like, oh, no. Mm-mm. He was telling me it was one of those X-Men movies. I was like, it is? And it isn't. Smart uh, kid. But I said, you Smart know, kid, this was, what was coming out after it? Batman vs. Superman? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. I said, you wait a couple weeks, take him to see that. He'll be good. Oof. I mean, what does he know? Right. <laughs> He's not going to yeah. critique it, but yeah. But he gets to see Doctor Strange because you know there's plenty for him to see. Yeah. Um, but you forget that they, you know people are kids, so some of that violence just isn't going to be okay. Or some mm-hmm. of the language, like my concern with him is with violent video games and language that he goes to school and repeats it. Yeah. 
It's the only thing. Like, if he was just keeping that funny in the house, okay. But he's not. He's out, he's mm-hmm. out in the streets. He's in these streets with it. <laughs> and that's it's going to get him in trouble. And he doesn't understand that yet. So, Yeah. Yeah, but it is good. This is very, very much a family-friendly place. Yeah. It is awesome. So, yeah. I mean, we kind of covered the, the panels that, that we each had a chance to go and see. Oh, um, Yes. Carmen to... Torres. I have a card right yes. here. Yes. I bought so much artwork from her <laughs> over the years for my sister. Mm-hmm. I bought a, a Spider Gwen I gave to my friend's daughter, mm-hmm. a Storm, and a Wonder Woman, and a Black Panther from her. Great artwork. If yeah. you have a chance to look her up, uh, yeah, what, is her Twitter? what is her Twitter handle? Uh, it has her website on here. It's artofcarmen.com. Oh, okay. Check it out. She's great. She's cool. Really cool person. This is like the fifth time I've seen her mm-hmm. at, at some console and art, and she's always really cool. Um, you can check out her art. She has, I think, she has a demon art page as mm-hmm. well. It's great work. Um, the people who I've given the prints to absolutely love them. They're very. If so, <clears throat> I was talking about this earlier. But when I'm trying to buy artwork for my friends' kids, mm-hmm. specifically their daughters, mm-hmm. it's hard to find art that's appropriate for them. Yeah, like my friend's daughter's four. So how do I yeah. find? So the Spider Gwen works. Yeah, that spider fully clothed. Works. N- not only head to toe, she has a hood, yeah, a hoodie, right? <laughs> um, you know, the Wonder Woman works. Mm-hmm. The stuff works. Um, so it's so artists like Carmen are great because they make art that if I want to give it to my friend's daughter, mm-hmm. that it's it's appropriate. Yep. it's not like some really busty Wonder Woman or it's a back shot of her. It's none of that. So because this one, um, the Wonder Woman that Carmen does. Yeah. This woman is fierce. She's fierce. Like she is There's another one woman I bought. I'll show you a photo of that I okay. bought. That's there's two. One yeah. the black one with the afro. Maybe oh yeah, Terry, I saw that one. Terry yeah. Blass. Love that. And another one I got, I have to show you. That's really awesome. But yeah, but just trying to find that kind of artwork that's fitting for, for a child mm-hmm. is really I mean for boys it's easy. All kind of rendition of Spider Man and Batman right. and Iron Man. Which granted, no. if we were to go into that and the body issues that young men oh, start I mean, to develop you know, it, it has to work out. Yeah. yeah having, Luke, having the, Luke Cage made me feel bad about myself. <laughs> the Luke Cage TV show, I was like, for real? I got to work out now, huh? Yep. And then take people to coffee. Right. It's the thing I got to do. But um, it, it's, it's beautiful to see, to be able to buy that kind of artwork if you're looking for it for, for nieces. Because, you know, now a lot of us are, people our age have kids. And I'm sure you don't want some sexualized version of someone who's supposed to be your kid's hero hanging yeah. up in their room right yeah and so yeah to anyone who who does have kids yeah like yeah it it, it could be a struggle yeah and so to find artists that can match up yeah with and this isn't about censoring those who do this is about having an option for people whose kids aren't ready for that or can't mm-hmm. differentiate between the the two right i don't well, know that's the thing is like i do not even have kids you don't? but i can definitely still <laughs> no <laughs> but i can definitely see how i mean yeah you yeah. want to if you want to give you know, your daughter or your niece or yeah. whatever, an awesome Wonder Woman, yeah. you know, it, yeah, it could be difficult. You so. know, because like, like my friend's daughter, totally in this Disney stuff, mm-hmm. also into wrestling, <laughs> loves Kane. Like, oh, man. Isn't, isn't interested in Divas matches. She's mm. not. It's funny. It drives her mom absolutely insane. But it's the beauty of like young women these days, yeah. like young girls. Like they can be into a bunch of stuff. I, I've had more women text me about Luke Cage than anything else hmm. women last night mm-hmm. two of my friends separately they're not even friends together were texting me as they were watching Luke Cage this had one of the strongest female casts of supporting actresses yep. and actors like yeah. man Simone yeah. Missick kills it kills it 
So yeah, I mean Rosario Dawson is fantastic in everything she does. Right. So and everyone else who was involved with it, yeah, yeah it was yeah. a very women centric yeah. and women heavy. Yeah. Season. So you can check out Carmen. I'm sure there's a list of other artists. If you go to, to the the Geek Girl Con website to find out who else mm-hmm. was there, there was a lot of really good artists, great artwork. You'll spend way too much money. It took everything right. in me not to buy that Winter Soldier that I saw. That was, everything yeah. in me uh, not to spend nice. money. But, I mean, uh, yeah. So, and I bought a couple pieces of art. I will throw up a picture. Uh, from Brian Linz, uh, and he is what is his Twitter? Yes, I've seen him at uh, at Cult Classic it was Art Comic Con. So yeah. really unique kind of hybrid art style, pop culture art style. So yeah, I will put up a couple of pictures of that. So yeah, shout out to some of the artists that were spotlights yeah. of love ours them. or highlights. Of I ours. love artists mostly because I can't do it. Yeah, no. <laughs> and it's beautiful, man. They make great gifts. If you're, if you're a friend of mine, you've gotten artwork as a gift. True. Yeah, you've gotten. It. I still have yours to give to you. Yeah, hmm. and sitting at home. Right. I, I, I swear to you, All right, this, I is, do. this is on record. Uh, uh, it's, on, it's on wax now, but yeah, but you know, um, they're they're great gifts, and it's inexpensive. You can frame them. Mm-hmm. My friend has, and it is unique. It's, it's unique. Yeah, it's beautiful. And you're supporting smaller artists. We're supporting artists who do great work. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're an artist, do it. If you if you thought about drawing, you thought about getting into yeah. it. Do it. Get in one of these cons and, and, and make cake. I met a guy a couple years ago at Emerald City Comic Con who was doing these cool Transformers, right? Mm-hmm. He made a – he was like goofing around and made one for the Seahawks. It's like the Seahawks team playing in the background, and it transformed into a, like a Transformer of the team's playing. Okay. He said, man, he had to go print more. He sold out. Sheesh. That's what happens. Yeah? Yeah. So, yeah, be creative. Find an outlet for your creativity. Right. Just go for it. Mm-hmm. Just, just make art. Whatever that, whatever art, whatever, whatever way that manifests. Mm-hmm. So cool. Uh, yeah, I think that just about covers it for for Geek Girl Con yeah, 2016. I would, I would love to come back. Yeah. Oh, next year, next year is going to be great. They actually, and Christine was talking about this earlier. Uh, Geek Girl Con is not just a once a year thing. Oh. They host gaming events mm-hmm. every month. Mm. So. If I actually drag Tim to go play some Dungeons and Dragons, you know I've never um, done the, I've never done the D and D. That might change. Uh, that might change. So yeah, they host events. So this is a <laughs> a year long. I'm laughing because I'm looking at Spider Man taking a photo, which is something <laughs> you see at a con. That is yep, <laughs> true story. Well, cool. So Tim, uh, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at thepeoplescritic.blog.com. They can find me on Twitter, the People's Critic with one eye, mm-hmm. like your boy Fetty Wap. Right. Um, <laughs> can find me on Instagram, People's Critic, uh, Snapchat. Uh, yeah, just out here enjoying life. Looking forward to Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. um, The Accountant. Um, what else is coming? A bunch of movies. It's, yeah. This is that season. So I'm really excited for Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. much so. It's in less than a month. Yeah, uh, just crazy. I want to know what the post credit is. I want to know what Infinity Stones is. Yeah, I, I got to know what's happening. So mm-hmm. very excited for that. So yeah, so look forward to that. Um, and a review of Moonlight coming at some point. Yes. Uh, November fifth or sixth, something like that. Some like the point. Week, the week. Moon, yeah, Moonlight. Uh, what's that weird hitman? That, keeping up with the Joneses. Oh uh, yeah, Hacksaw Ridge. All that's coming up. Yeah, soon. Nice. All right, and yeah, uh, for this podcast, uh, you have been listening to about to review. I have been your host, that guy named John. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review. Uh, if you are not listening to this on iTunes. You can stream this on the website, abouttoreview.com. If you are listening on iTunes, you can subscribe, uh, rate the show. I love five-star ratings. If you have a five-star rating, I will give you a shout-out on a future episode. 
So there we go. That was our coverage of Geek Girl, Geek Girl Con 2016. Thank you to all of the guests that I had on this episode. This is a tremendous con, incredibly well-staffed. Shout out again to the volunteers for helping everyone, the panelists, the contributors. So I definitely look forward to next year. And for this episode, we will catch you later. 